Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you find yourself on WWW. It's that time again. I'm Ken H. coming to you live from Houston. Boy, do we have an exciting time this evening. We are so delighted and so excited to bring our dear friend back, David M. from New York. He is back with us. He is going to continue and we're going to go into a whole new vein because we got a lot to talk about. In fact, we had so much to talk about, we had to beg, plead, and ask him to come back. And he was kind enough to give us some spare time. So let's get started. Everybody, thanks so much for coming. If those that knew the program, of course, we are going to talk specifically this time, kind of throw the rules out of the window because we want to spend all of our time talking to David M. Those that do not remember or know, David M., ex-professional quarterback with the Green Bay Packers, the Indianapolis Colts. He and I go all the way back to his college days where he played for Virginia Tech and was a playing colleague of Michael Vick, of course. Tonight, it's special because he came to me. We are, of course, in contact quite often. And his question to me was, Kent, what is your, I'm about to start a new venture in my career life, and what is the best book in your library? And sure enough, there is only one real book when it comes to any type of sales or communication or education or whatever. And of course, I give it to anybody who wants to be in my company, and that's the Sales Bible, the absolute ultimate sales resource, the Sales Bible. It's ten and a half commandments of sales success. And so we're going to look into this book. We may have him back for other sections and part of the book. David, I know you're standing by and you're so faithful and patient. Say hello. I am saying hello, Kent Hurst. Thank you, sir, for having me on. And this is uh, an opportunity that I, I could not pass up to be able to talk to you about the sales Bible, talk to you about this best-selling classic and some of the, the gleanings and the support and help that we've gotten from this book together. So. Thank you, sir. No, of course. And you can imagine when two giants uh, come together, they want to talk about something. And so we looked at the topics. We looked at what the commandments were. And one that stuck out in both our minds quite quickly, both either recognition in our own worlds or recognition what I think is happening or perhaps not happening, and that's ownership. People are simply not taking ownership of their job, their responsibilities, their lives, their decisions. And this talk, this book, does speak a little bit about that ownership. So that'll be where we speak on or what we talk about tonight, ownership. David, when I say ownership or own something, own, own it, so to speak, with your professional career, your obviously your very professional family life, your professional business life, what in the world does own it mean to you on a simple expression? Yeah, yeah. Ownership is complete responsibility and accountability for the results. It's as simple as that. And this is my task. This is my project. This is my program. This is my account. Whatever happens, it's on me. I own it. And those are the people that are never going to be out of a job. Those are the, those are the people that are always going to be in demand. And I know that's what's characterized your career, Kent, as uh, as a professional in your in your brokerage days, in your in your management days, in your sales and customer service days. You own what goes on in your area, and and that's as simple as that. Complete responsibility, 
and accountability for the results. Does that sound in tune with what you were thinking? It sure is. And of course, when you think about it, people love to blame these days. The blaming continues and the blame, you know, even blame yourself. Oh, they don't like me. Oh, they don't, whatever. But that blame is an immediate about face when it comes to responsibility. You either blame yourself or the reverse, you take responsibility for it and learn from it, right? And do not do it again. Obviously, it didn't go well. The sale didn't go, the call didn't go, the whatever didn't go. Now you're going to blame, well, it's their fault, they didn't like my product, they didn't like my... Or are you going to kind of figure it out and own that call, own that email, own that rejection, and say that, by golly, that's... And that's, you're right on my, on my history. That's not going to happen to me again. I lost the deal, but by God, I won't, list the, I won't miss the second one. I messed up that, that sales pitch. We're not going to mess up the next pitch. And so I owned it, and I always demanded, at least, certainly of my, of my team, to own it as well. And it, does, that, does that guarantee success? Not at all. But it absolutely guarantees that you're going to learn from it if it's a if it doesn't go well or it doesn't doesn't strike gold on the first round i think you're right on with that and it, it kind of reminds me i think in that section that get in uh, jeffrey gittimer he kind of he brings out an example of in, in the, it's natural to take uh to to want to blame someone else so that guy didn't return my call mm. that guy uh, and, and you blame someone else. You blame someone else for the lack of the sale or the defect that happened in operations. But instead of, you, you want to flip the switch. And I think this was helpful in, in that chapter. And I, I want to ask you if you thought this was helpful or if there's anything else there that jumped out at you. But to flip the switch of the mindset mm. where if, if I'd left a more creative voicemail, maybe the guy would have called me back. Or if I if my voicemail had value and purpose and really piqued the guy's interest, maybe the guy would have called me back. So you flip it, instead of blaming, that guy didn't call me back, say, if I would have done X, if I would have done Y, you take responsibility, you take ownership, and it puts you in a positive mindset to get traction for the future, because that's what it's all about. You can't live in the past. The past is the past. It's water under the bridge. You've got to look forward how are we moving forward to get better for today and tomorrow? Does that make sense? No, it absolutely doesn't. It's exactly right. You get to blame once. I think that, that mm. section you're speaking mm. about, you get to yeah. blame yeah. once. Yeah. And once, you know, you get to cry once, but now you got to dry those tears and figure out what's next. And that's where that responsibility, that clicking, as you mentioned, that turn the switch is exactly right. The lessons that you can learn from that customer. You know, why did they say no? Why did they reject my email? Why did they not even respond? Why did they not call me back? Those have to be kind of the footstool to the, the stepping stones to getting the yeses. I mean, if you can't figure it out, then of course you reach out, ask for help or whatever. But if it's always their fault, they're the ones, they're, 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 they're then you said it already. We're living in the past, mm. and there's no yeah. there's no future in there. Doesn't matter about the past phone call, the lack of a response, the lack of reply, the lack thereof, because if you want to live in the world of lack, probably you're in the wrong 
field of opportunity. Mm. That's a that's a great point, <clears throat> and I think of this uh, in when I was in project management and in heavy uh, functional operations. We would have on our projects. We would have post project reviews. We call them PPRs, mm. post project reviews, and we would look at the completed project and find lessons. That what did we learn? What what went well, and what we what is there that we could have done better, right? And there is always routinely what we would call, uh, it's another acronym, and this, if, if any of you, any of our listeners know, uh, there's, there's a lot of acronyms in, uh, in, in, corporate, in, in corporate America and in the corporate world, and one of them is CAPA, C-A-P-A. Some of you may have heard of people use it, but it's corrective action, preventative action. So you, you have something that doesn't go right, so you want to take ownership of that. You want to take accountability of that, uh, for that. So what do you do? You, you first got to fix it. <laughs> what do we yeah. got to do to correct the thing that went wrong? So we want to have a corrective action to fix it. And then here's the key thing, Ken, is that preventative action. What are we going to do so that this is going to be prevented and this situation is not going to occur next time. So that kappa is a framework that I, I've used in, in operations. I've used in, in my project management days to really, to really get at the, at the crux of the issues so they don't come up again. And you take ownership and you say, look, I'm going to own that. I'm taking that on board. We are. I, We're taking it on I'm, board. I, as we run up on a, on a responsibility we have to our sponsors. <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> 10 minutes has gone by quick. Hey, if you haven't gone to Travel Leisure Magazine, this is the place to go. 58% off because you're friends of the program. That's $29.99. You'll get 12 issues or one year subscription. How in the world do I do it? Well, you can dial right now. They're standing by 866-737-8037 or www.travelandleisure.com backslash order today. Best magazine for traveling I've ever had. So grateful to them. Let's continue in two seconds. The hard break's over. Wow. We are grateful to David being here with us. Such words of wisdom. And again, as always, folks, you know I promise you the fastest 25 minutes in the podcast world, and sure enough, those first 10 minutes are gone already. So we're going to take advantage of these last 15 because we don't want to miss a single minute of these golden words that are coming out of the mouths of legends. And I'm so grateful to have him here. And what was interesting in this little small section and a fantastic must-read book, if for anybody that's in the sales world, anybody that's dealing with customers, clientele, any type of product or service industries, if you don't have the sales Bible, ten and a half points, commandments they call them, you're, you're really going to miss out. This is a gold mine, chocker block full of these wonderful tidbits that David is tapping into, sharing a little bit about. I'm going to share a little bit about, but it's just fantastic. We're only hitting on one. Can you imagine just this short, and it's way too short amount of time. We need to have David again back and back and back, probably do an entire uh, series if we wanted on this subject. 
uh, and topic, the whole commandments of selling. But anyway, it was interesting, the word methodology. I really liked where they talked about that word, and David knows I'm word guy, and so I really know that a word can send a customer away or draw him in to close the deal. Words are that powerful. Words are that descriptive. And they really drew in this section a, a desire to take the word idea away. The idea is a momentary word. This idea of the sale, this idea of correction, that what did I do wrong, this idea of the phone call, and really make the word methodology, because that's more of a strategy. And that I just loved. And you, of course, in your professional career and your professional uh, athletic career, there must have been a methodology to the success of winning a game, the game plan, the whole thing, a strategy behind the coaches, who he puts in, who he doesn't, who he sits, who he doesn't sit. Uh, there must have been in that experience of yours. There certainly was. And the methodology or the strategic vision or the process, the structure, that's, that's the system, that's the rails that, that these programs, these great programs are run on, whether it's college football, uh, sports, uh, app operations, companies, sales operations, you name it. Uh, it's, it's not just going to happen by accident when you show up. You have to run on certain rails that are designed for success. There are systems and processes and methodologies, as you said, Ken, and strategies that are that are planned, prepared, and set in place. That if you roll on those rails, you're going to see success. And then when when people like you that are wired, you're just a guy who's ever since you were young, you were wired to be a high achiever. You were hitting your numbers in sales and in brokerage when you were when you were uh, brokering you were hitting your numbers because let's 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 face it that's just kind of in your dna you wanted to hit at a high level you wanted to not only get those numbers but you wanted to to bring in those those uh the, the, those high commissions and that 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 was part of the impulse that drive you forward now I, I am interested to hear from you on just how as now as taking on a, a customer service and a sales team, you're a sales leader, you have a team of people around you, you have to hit certain numbers, you have to hit certain benchmark goals. And tell me about taking ownership as a leader. How do you see that? Because I see there's some leaders they 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 don't lead from the front and they they're not the change that they want to see and they're they're complaining they have that victim mindset and they and and, and you know this you know this from hearing from people that people don't people don't like to hear you know oh this is where we need to be oh, you don't know my situation well you don't know where i'm coming from and as a leader, to model that, tell me about how important that is for you and take it ownership as the leader of your team to demonstrate 
the way it's supposed to be. Can you talk to that for a little bit? Well, it, I thank you. It, I think it has to immediately deal with the uh, inevitability of been here, done that. And if you have, if you're a task, let's say you move up through an organization or you move up through the ranks or you move up through the, 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 the company or the, or the industry or the, the uh, product development or the product or the sales team or whatever, if you have that history, then most of those, as you say, those uh, reasons, those comments, perhaps dare we say excuses, are already experienced by yourself. So you're able to diff, you know, diffuse them rather quickly. And my first and always lesson to any person I'm speaking with privately or anybody in, in, a, in a public setting is know your audience. And so for me as a leader of a team or a team group to train or teach anyone, you know the audience. And either they're coming from ignorance, as in they've never been here, never done this work before perhaps, or they have some knowledge of the product service or, or industry, they have some knowledge of what's going on. You just can't uh, let it uh, be, wow, I've never heard that question before in my life. If that's your leadership mentality that you accept from your team, then you're doomed. And I must use that word as I'm a word guy, I'm, I, I, I say that appropriately, you're doomed. Because if, if the audience surprises you with a question in supposedly your area of expertise, you're supposedly a leader, you're supposedly an industry expert, a subject matter expert, and you all of a sudden get stumped or, or relegate to, wow, Johnny, that's terrible. That's gotta be you know, painful. Boy, are you in trouble. So I think know your audience is paramount to the, the desire of, of answering those questions before they ever be answered, before they ever be asked. And therefore, you have that answer immediately. Well, when I was there, boy, I've heard that before. Boy, I remember when a client said that to me. And you immediately are able to flip it around, and therefore, your conversation with, with your team becomes one of, we're in this together, and by the way, have confidence, I've been down this road before. I, this not dark, sh you know, dark, sh uh, shady uh, uh, circles. We're in a mm -hmm. bright light that I can see mm -hmm. clearly in. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. That's really good. And I think that, and, and we've talked about this before, how uh, the fact that you're taking, not only taking ownership, but there's that, that regard of authenticity being transcendent. You're in it. You're owning it. You're real. You've done it. People know you've done it you've walked that path and people want to get behind you and they feel very comfortable and confident in walking behind you because they know you've been on that trail before and there's something about people that just especially when you have a team and and they they smell the success they 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 embrace the 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 winning and they want to be a part of that and I, I know you've brought that to your team, and as a as a uh, hiring manager, that's always looking for for winners. I'm looking for people that that want to say instead of saying go, I want them to say let's go. Right. I want them to take people with them, yeah, and show them how it's done. To bring them to to take their team and to say 
I have, this is my team. My team reflects me. And we are going to be winners. Right. No, I learned that from my father when he was coaching us. Uh, I've learned that from most of the people. Uh, and certainly my mentors, managers, bosses, uh, etc. Nobody ever had to tell me their title. They showed me their title. And if you have to tell people I'm the boss, remind you I'm your manager, I'm your team leader, you're already in a world of hurt. Because if you're required in your own mindset, if you're requiring a label for yourself so that they know who you are, the team knows who you are, remember I'm captain, remember I'm the boss, remember I'm the leader, if you've got to say those words, unfortunately, uh, the team's going to be in trouble because they already know your, your role. They already have been told your role by, you know, the, the, the hiring whoever. So if you have to remind people of your title, I think you're, you're already down the wrong road. Mm, very good point. And let me just, and, and I know we're, 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 we're on the back end of this here, and I, I just I wanted to just take this, uh, an opportunity to kind of take this, not only from the professional end, and I, I wanted to get your, your assessment and thoughts on, just on the taking ownership personally in your personal life and in the daily situations of life. Because as a dad, I, I see this. Um, if I come home and I don't like toys on the floor, let's say, or um, I don't like the fact that the cat is jumping on the couch, I could say, well, I don't like that. And what am I going to do about it? Um, I don't like dust on the blinds. Or I don't like, uh, it's one of my pet peeves, I don't like water around the faucet. You know, I run the kitchen faucet when there's just water sure. just like, hanging around there. That drives me nuts. Hence, another uh, reason we're close. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can moan about it, or I can do something about it. So the key thing here, and I, I think if, if we could just give this to our listeners here, is I'm going to be the change I want to see because I take ownership of it. And I'm not going to complain about the change. I'm going to make the change. I think that's correct. You say, what am I going to do about the water, the toys, the cat? Am I going to complain to the kids, complain to the wife, complain to the, you know, the kitchen staff? Who am I going to, what does that do? What does that do for anybody other than remind people, oh, he's in a mood again, or he's not happy again, or, you know, whatever. They're not seeing the issue they're seeing you and your mood, right? Mm, good that, point. that again, that gripe and that victim and that they didn't take my calls or they're not calling me back or whatever. The manager, the team lead, the boss doesn't see they didn't take their calls and wonder why. Let's look at the script. Let's work on your, your pitch. They see somebody going, <laughs> And they forget, they forget about it, right? <laughs> yeah. So if you're yeah, going to be the change point. agent, I think that's the word. You have to be, the, is that a word? It's a lot of words. You have to be the change agent. You have to take ownership, the responsibility. Make it happen versus talk about it happening. There's, I just came up with that. Make it happen versus talking about it 
happening. There's a difference there. Yeah, indeed. Indeed, that's, that's really great. And there's so much there that we can unpack for, I mean, we can unpack that for hours. But um, I think just to just to give to put the oak tree into the acorn here for our listeners, it's it's taking ownership is responsibility. It's accountability for the results. It's not passing the buck. It's saying I'm going to be the one to take responsibility, and this is on me. I'm taking it on board. I own what happens here, and just like the captain of a ship. If one of the young first mates is driving the ship under your care and he hits a sandbar, that guy did it, yeah. He did. He but did because on the captain. Because you are the, the captain the and we're captain. in this all together, David, always. That is the fastest 25 minutes of our lives. Oh, my goodness. Thanks so much.